What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today I couldn't be happier to be able to sit down and bring Charlie Weingroff back, not just to the podcast, but to the seminar. It's always great to have Charlie on the show, and it's even better to have him in the building. Can't wait to bring him into the facility here, get to hang out, get to catch up, and of course, get to sit back and, and learn from one of my really good friends and people that I think that more often than not is, is one of the guys who every time we talk, I walk away and I go to somebody and I go, all right, we got to talk about something <laughs> that Charlie and I brought up. So Charlie, man, thanks so much for getting up and joining us this morning. Awesome, man. I, I know you can see the video, but I know we're not going to video. I got a big, uh, I have a big grin on my face. Thank you for the, the, the good words. Uh, Whatever it is that you're saying is is probably one of the few compliments I'm I'm happy to accept. So that that's pretty cool. Thank you. Well, it's the real deal, man. It, and you know, I think that a lot of people need to understand more and more just how willing you are to share and how important things are to you to to make sure that we all do better. You know, you yeah. you put a lot of great stuff out every day now, almost talking about ways that we can do better, whether it be people specifically in the therapy world and how it can impact coaches and, and all of that. And I, I think that that's really, really vital for all of us to, to continue well, to grow this vocation. You know, part of um, what you're recognizing. So what we're filming this way late, late October. So probably over the last couple months, we've made a, a significant um, strategy, you know, to, to be more involved, or not more because there's a whole long story that uh, how this all tracks to, but uh, what we're doing on social media is all very, very intended. And, and, and I've gone back to study, you know, quite a bit about internet marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that, you know, like when you try and describe what it is that you're seeing, it's because, you know, my, my niche, which is a big thing for people to understand when you want to do well on social media, you have to target a very, confined audience but my vision and this is the one of the few things i'll say so so here here's my new line if i'm, I'm going to say this with all humility and all hubris involved that means i can say whatever i want <laughs> um, the the uh the one thing that i feel you know okay saying about myself is that i have very very wide peripheral vision uh, meaning i see things and i have a little bit of skill set in a lot of different things and it, it broadens my niche uh, and I just hope that when we see different uh, snippets or different messages, there is a very, very strong red thread that goes through everything. And no matter what, whether I'm talking about business, whether I'm talking about what someone else calls training or what someone else calls rehab or whatever the topic is, uh, there's a significant thread, uh, including talking about Disney, which at this moment is the last post that we put up there. So um uh, it's very cool that that you uh, that you recognize that. Yeah, and I think that the the tie in to everything that we're doing there, other than Disney and pro wrestling, of course, is <laughs> uh, the idea of training and rehab, and that's really going to be the the main. I don't know what are we going to call it theme of this year's event with so many people that work through that translucent line of training and rehab. So I guess that the yeah. big question for me, and one that selfishly I think we talk about probably the most, 
is that blurred line. And I think that it translates into everything, right? From readiness and preparedness and trainability evaluations to pre-training screening to return to sport to preparation to all of it. I think that that confusion or that translucence that some people may or may not recognize is something that has become kind of fake confusion in a sense with what we do. No, no, I think I, I, I think a lot of this might funnel into a sociological message, um, meaning there's no this is just my view. There's no right or wrong. Uh, I think I'm correct, but that doesn't mean I have to be. Uh, I think there's a there's a very undeniable component to all of that, Jay, and, and the 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 undeniable component that kind of bl- blurs like what you say, but but I would say obliterate. Like as you know, I would probably say training and rehab is is the same. Like they they that was a catchy thing from 2009. You know when I came out with the the first D- DVD, which no one ever has anymore, uh, but the laws of biology and physics govern everything. Like they, the laws of biology and physics are not different whether someone is injured uh, or if someone is, is an uh, MVP Hall of Famer. Like there's nothing different in terms of the lists of those types of things. Now, there may be certain exploitations that are different and those exploitations uh, segue into the things that are very uh, amorphous. They're, they're, they're much more nebulous. And number one is the 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 true skill set of the of the individual. Uh, I think probably because of people that have a message similar to mine. I think there's a lot of strength and conditioning coaches that get into things that are significant of rehab, and it's not because they're not intelligent to to succeed, but I think there's failure, and then creates that blurring because they don't have the repetitions. Like, I don't care where you went to college. I don't care what your degree is. I, sometimes though, more times than not, the degree gives you the opportunity to work 10 and 12 hours a day on the same topic so that you can start to see what the truth is and, and start to fail and start to succeed. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen when a strength and conditioning coach is starting to get into these rehab things. And it also doesn't happen when a physical therapist or a certified athletic trainer starts to get into strength and conditioning. I think they know enough and they absolutely should know enough to work together. But I think there's this, I don't want to say Dunning-Kruger, but let's just say this odd inflated confidence that what they're doing is best in class. And that's ludicrous to me. Um, uh, Thirdly, the culture of the workplace makes it difficult because I think, you know, going back 2009, 2010, um, the first train rehab has sold more copies of anything in that space, like a train the trainer type of thing. That's not like I'm competing with Jillian Michaels and Tybo or whatever, but um, part of that whole message was because of the significant uh, limitations that we see in rehab. It, it just, we, People weren't getting results, uh, and that has to do with insurance in the in the public world. It has to do with people being overworked. It has to do with people being marginalized and disrespected. And and bottom line is, if in my view, I thought that the the motivation to succeed from the rehab side was probably, you know, leading to some significantly poor results. And now for me, uh, I. I 
I think most people know, like I came out as a certified athletic trainer and a physical therapist. I was very lucky that I walked right into the NBA uh, after graduating from T school, but I was always a competitive power lifter. So I'm like this Texas high school coach when it came to my, my foundation. But remember when you're a power lifter, you care. Like yeah, you, you understand training because when you put big wheels on your back, you know, something really, really bad can happen. So you kind of understand the threshold of going back to the laws of biology of specific adaptation to impose demand. And you have to get right up to the barrier of something. Um, most medical folks don't understand because they were never athletes to begin with. Think of this, Jay, like how many, you, you, you take, take a thousand strength and conditioning coaches, not, not personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches. There's a significant number of them that were athletes, like real athletes, like something mattered to them. Um, 90 some percent, you know, 85%, whatever it is. Now take a thousand uh, certified athletic trainers or physical therapists. I don't think that number is nearly as high. Maybe for certified athletic trainers, it would be higher, but certainly not physical therapists. When you're not an athlete, you don't, you don't have this thing in your head that, that motivates you to be, be better and win. Um, and you start to kind of blur the lines yourself by trying new things and maybe trying to stay ahead of what's rank and file. And if you put all that together, you have the, 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 the hard science of people don't even, like, why would you think that, that you would strengthen someone with a hurt knee any differently than strengthen somebody with a healthy knee? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yet we typically see these terribly under-stimulative programs where they're not applying specific adaptation to impose demand. They're not creating uh, this, this overload on the system in a proper and safe fashion. They're doing nothing. They're basically wasting people's time. Um, and then obviously the more softer things in sociology based on my opinion uh, on how we got there, that's, that's really something that, um, again, I'm, I'm very flattered if, if somebody would say, because uh, I know there was people doing it way, way before me, particularly in track, uh, in, in track and field athletics, but you kind of bring, bring everybody together because the goal is to win. And uh, I feel like maybe the last piece for me, I was able to cultivate that. And this one, I'm sure you can sign off on. Um, the role of performance therapy in elite basketball. I'm, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. Like, I go back to when I started, I might've been the only kind of physical therapist that was a strength conditioning coach at that level. And at that, at working in that level, you can't make guys jump higher or run faster or et cetera. You can help them gain weight, which is even at the MBA level. But because I was a physical therapist, I had this perspective. That's that peripheral vision of how do we win? And we can win by keeping these guys uh, available, which how do we use lower cost physiological adaptations that maybe are not designed to generate strength, power, endurance? They're already there. The cup is already full. The, the, the cost of adaptation of, of an athlete, maybe we can do a lot better by creating other types of adaptations that allow them to express who they are. Uh, and then, you know, I've had some major, major people that I look up to that are both of our senior uh, give me um, some very, very good comments on how probably because of the social media presence, even back then, um, how, how we've made this impact on how people look at performance. And um, I think that's maybe a good way to, 
to say thank you for recognizing that and to others because I'm not the only one. And that's very, very important. I hope people remember that I say that I am not the only one. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was um, you know, may, may, maybe uh, one story I'll tell you. Um, I, 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 I know he doesn't have a significant uh, um, role in the pantheon of, of strength and conditioning. Um, but, but Pavel Tsatsili, and if I'm wrong, that's great because I don't know why he wouldn't. He's somebody I really, really look up to a mentor. I always say they're my older brothers and, uh, Pavel doesn't come out very often. And one of the things that I'm really cool about is hey, he's like, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm going to be in town and, and, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's go get coffee. And I, so you right across the street from where he lives in Santa Monica, there's a, uh, a Pete's. And, um, he, he said, so I, this is a long, long time ago. And that's actually where. Yeah, I, the first time he taught me a lot about anti-glycolytic training and but but he said to me he's like Charlie well you you ain't great cook you made you made physical therapy cool for people um but you must also remember Gray would come to the courses and he would actually throw the kettlebells around with his wife but you Charlie you were already always strong you had done things in powerlifting that were very very impressive um so I was like so man like this dude is crediting me with something that I never even really tried to do and, um, but the goal is to win and performance does not always have to happen by getting you bigger, faster, stronger. Um, for most people, that is the correct way to go about business. Uh, but if we have that very angular perspective, I think that we, we can win more games and help people make money, et cetera. Yeah, man. I think that a lot of that really comes all the way back to where we met really and that was at bsmpg when team canada was there and okay. the first ever time people started to talk about getting out of silos and that and i think that all of that comes together with some good and bad right i think that i think that what you said right there really hits the nail on the head with where i see some of the roadblocks to the strength coach side of the vocation continuing to push towards getting a seat at the table because people look at it and they think, well, there should be no silos. So I should be involved in everything before they understand what everything is. Yeah. Yeah. Before they understand that it's not that Charlie's running rehab. I have to be on top of him or doing other things or getting in his way in a sense to keep myself out of my silo instead of understanding that removing the silos means we're always in a supportive role of each other because the supportive role of each other is the supportive role for the athlete which may mean at times i do have to take a back seat to this that or the third different aspect of it mental health nutrition therapy athletic training skill development yeah, yeah, they're all it's all one big thing. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of things I could parry off of there. Um, the uh, I would love to talk more about Canada basketball because it's always about other people rather than me. But um, the, the 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 issue of what you're describing there goes back to one of those three components, which is the culture, uh, the culture of these setups in organized sports typically do not have uh, a commander. Yeah, and again, that's a little bit of my, my time in, in Marine, Corps, Marine Corps Special Operations. There's, 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 oh, there's like a triangle. There's always one person. And I think, unfortunately, whoever that person is, 
usually because uh, often there is this implicit expectation of higher level of respect if you're trained as a medical professional, like a certified ethic trainer. That's ludicrous. Everyone, no, no one should have more respect just because they're medical. That includes the doctor. If the doctor is in charge, the doctor doesn't know anything about rehab and training. Um, you know, it, there, there's got to be somebody that knows enough about what everybody does, like a CEO. The CEO is not as skilled as the, the chief financial officer, but he damn sure knows if he's going to be uh, creating an audit when they when he files the taxes. Uh, so, so I think that's part of. So now, if there's nobody really in charge, here's a story. Doesn't matter who, uh, mid mid level division ones, and and this gentleman had uh, I met him. He had probably been at two other Division One schools that would be considered higher level than, than mid-level. So it was a talk similar to what you're referencing many years ago when we had the entire, you know, we actually, and you remember, we had our head coach part of that. Good luck ever having a performance staff, medical and fitness, be talking on the same page and actually have your head coach explain how he actually integrates uh, the information. Uh, I am not who I am in a, in a lot of different ways without the uh, leash that Jay Troiano uh, gave gave us uh, as a performance staff in Canada basketball, um, but but um, the 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 co the the conditioning coach he's like Charlie how do I how do I do all this stuff how do I bring this stuff back to University X and I'm like he's like I said well it's all it, it's less about you and what you believe in and more about like is your certified is the head athletic trainer going to go along with this. He's like, well, I'm like, dude, it, if that's not a hard yes, don't even bother. Because if you, I said, like, what do you mean? I said, all right, let me ask you a question. Can you fire the head athletic trainer if he doesn't do what you want to do? Because you and I, there's two of us, there's only one of him or her. We both believe that what you want to do is in the best interest of everyone involved. We're going to say that what the head athletic trainer wants to do is not in the best interest. That's your position? Okay, cool. I didn't even make that position. That's what, what we think. And I say, if you can't fire them, then what happens if they don't do it? And, he, and he's like, oh, man, you're right. I'm like, it's not about me being right. It's about the culture. How do we create that situation? Um, it's not about firing somebody, but the best way to create you know, this great culture and leadership is just pick the right people. Whoever hired the head athletic trainer and whoever hired the head strength coach or director of performance or whatever it's called it nowadays, that, that person did not have the perspective that we're talking about. Sometimes it's not even the same person that hired them. And to think that you're going to just randomly expect two people to work together, even if they did believe in the same laws of biology and physics. They're two different personalities. Their goals are different. Maybe um, somebody is holding a role where they're taking that job so they can get the other job so they can get the other job after that versus somebody else who's already been at that university for 20 years and is really, really happy and, and, and really wants to do some great things there. Those are two completely different core values and how that person will behave. That I, I learned a lot about like being overqualified for a role or how do you just not quote unquote, not a good fit. And part of a lot of disappointments that I have make a lot more sense to me now that I'm older. But but that's really what it is. It's culture. You can't do it. It's not possible unless there's somebody that at some point is going to take this this hard line. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And there's very, very few situations in both high level university uh, or professional sports. Now, there's titles. There's titles that might seem like they have that, that power, and sometimes they do and don't use it because they don't really care, and they'd rather surround themselves with a bunch of goofballs 
so that they look like they're the ones that are the, the puppet master rather than populate their staff with some really, really, you know, talented monsters that all can carry the football across the goal line at a certain time. Um, but but um, just because people have a role that suggests they're the commander, it doesn't mean that they actually have this, this, this vision. Um, very, very rarely. I, I think in the NBA, there's probably more. And that might be because of uh, what happened over the last 20 years of how influence and, and how data, et cetera, et cetera, came into that world. Uh, in the NFL, zero. Um, th there's a couple that have the position. But I mean, you, you well know, a lot of people know, I'm involved in a lot of you know, private, you know, private relationships with NFL players. And as soon as a player gets hurt, strength conditioning has nothing. They, they, don't, they don't touch them. Like, they're not allowed. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And uh, luckily, my players are usually top-level guys. So if I tell them what to do, they go in the weight room and they do it on their own instead of just getting Normatech and, and, and Techar, like, which are decent things, but not without the, the, the training component. So uh, I think it's a culture thing. And going back to that, that coach that I was talking about, I'm like, dude, I'm, gonna take you, I'm just going to help you, you know, not, not bang your head against the wall. Just do the best you can which is something that I hate saying. I don't ever want to do the best I can. I want to do the best. But if you're in a situation that doesn't lend for what you want to do, then you just throw your hands up. And like, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It's a cultural thing. And it takes a long time to change that. And we don't always have the power to do it, even though we think we're right and we think we're correct and we think we're noble in what, how we want to serve athletes or other people. The, 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 the AD doesn't. The, the GM of the team doesn't. Um, and it goes both ways. I, I know we're coming from a strength conditioning perspective because that's both of our primary background focus, but um, it can go the other way too. Sometimes, you know, the strength conditioning coach in, insists on doing some archaic, you know, bigger, faster, stronger program. Um, and the medical folks, you know, really know that, you know, well, these guys are injured all the time. What are we trying to do here? <laughs> and, um, you yeah, know, so it goes both ways. And I think that's important to recognize as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot of gold in that. And I think before we get into the next part here, if I was y'all, I'd hit that back button about 15, 20 times and go through that again, because being the guy who's been at a, a place now for 20 years and has been trying to build things and has been trying to grow and has been trying to continue to evolve and adapt and make the place better than it was not just when I found it, because gosh, hopefully it is by now, but better daily. That one hundred percent is the roadblock. One hundred percent is the roadblock. You know, you can talk about getting the right people on the bus or getting the right ideas going or understanding things or learning from your mistakes. But if you don't, have the leadership to draw the culture in the direction that is necessary for the vision that people have. And all of a sudden you're trying to ride 10 horses with one butt and all you do is get in the splits and lose your legs. You're, 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 that's your goal. Like you were, you know, you know, we're saying the same thing and you're saying it much more succinctly, but yeah, that, that's it. Like that's all, like a lot of times when you're with your close buddies, you know, we'll say, yo, it, it's not our team. And it, take, it takes maturity. Actually, in my opinion, it takes being in business because once you're in your own business and you do things privately, you get to do everything the way you want to do it. But when, when, when you, you, know, you, just because you're working in a really cool setting and you start to have a, a, a vision of what we're talking about, you can't do it. You need someone to let you do it. And obviously that starts to get into a spiritual thing 
But again, that's part of who I am. It's, it's part of like, we, we can't do anything unless someone or something allows us to do it. And if, if, you, if it's not happening and you do an honest needs analysis as to why it's not happening, what you just said is, is where I see the thing. Because the, per, the, 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 the ultimate decision maker is, is, is how, um, um, is, is, is responsible. Uh, I'll give, I, I will give you the example in Canada basketball. Basically, I was the only person um, that wasn't an intern at some point. Um, there's a longer story, but I don't want to take up so much time. But bottom line, you know, when, when we were rolling and publishing research and, and, and really developing, you know, more, young, more elite young basketball players than anywhere else in the world, uh, facts, then we actually have some unique data that, you know, we presented a few years ago at your conference. Um, yeah, the, everybody, no, nobody, nobody knew any other way on how to do things, uh, which is how we were doing them. So we never brought in people. And there was only one person that did share this view, Sam Gibbs, that you know, if you, you didn't work there, like there were interns that stayed and are still staying. Um, and then there's interns that were gone after one year, not because they didn't really share the vision, but like that was the flow of, of, of how we tried to put the right people together. And which I will say, which I have no problem with this um, remaining, you know, live on the on the call is that as soon as Nick Nurse got there, it all went away, because you went from a coach who would say, "Charlie, uh, I, you know, way more about keeping these players healthy and ready to go than I do, so I'm gonna do what you say, dot dot dot, and if I don't do what you say, I know you're not gonna get mad at me because we have we have something very special here." Versus, I remember when Nick got hired uh, for Canada basketball. You know, he met with Sam and Sam had a call with all of us. And he said, he, he, he doesn't want to talk to any staff members, only me. I said, what does that mean? I can't even say good morning to him. And he blew up the whole thing um, with his attitudes on how he looked at performance. So look, you took the same people, you took the same people and, and just changed one component um, who was given far more uh, control and, and command over the entire machine that everything just went to, to poop. And that first year that Nick was coach, we, we had the hardest practices we ever had, which is like whatever, but then we had the most injuries that we've ever had, which is now, again, I, I didn't do enough. It's all, it's all on me, it's all on me. I didn't do enough to, to create a better environment. But uh, so you see like it can change on a moment if you bring the wrong people together. And I think that that is 100% the perfect lead-in to get into the big three because it just keeps circling back to the same idea, right? And that is that we mistake problems for leadership situations and we mistake areas to, lack of a better term, attack where we're running into a battle we're never going to win. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and, but again, it can be one if the, the, so, so when I look at a leader, a commander, a general, et cetera, it's not so much that they're in charge. Um, but remember, just because someone gives instructions and other people's role is to follow instructions, that doesn't mean they're more important or above you. You know, a lot of times in the NFL, they use, who do you report to? I don't love these terms, but whatever, they're just words, as long as what's really happening matters. But the, um, the, yeah, it, it's, it's what, what's, what's really crucial is, is that 
everybody is all angled towards the same thing. And to think that, you know, basically someone shouldn't be there anymore if what they do is not going to be utilized. And it's all about one person. Their role is not as much to give instructions. Their role is to keep the system accountable. That's what's important. That's like it, it, if you're the GM, your job is not forget about choosing the players. If you're the if you're at the top of that triangle, the primary role, in my opinion, of a business is to keep the systems of the business accountable. And sometimes that means having an autocratic leadership model, meaning you're out of here, that you're done. Yeah, I, I think when um, um, when when the person who follows instructions really likes the person that gives instructions, that's called autocratic leadership. Uh, if the person doesn't like the instructions, it's called a dictatorship. They're the exact same thing. It's just a word that obviously dictatorship has this, this real negative tone to it. But if, it, if, it, if it's someone's role to, to keep the system accountable, and as I just described towards the end, and obviously I'm no longer with Canada Basketball because of that individual, um, the, uh, and, and how my behavior linked to, um, and my behavior was pretty much doing nothing, maybe I should have done more, is, is I couldn't be accountable anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't push the system. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it was, that's, they, you're not in charge. You're, you're the one that your primary role is to keep the system accountable. And I don't even, I've never heard anybody even describe it that way. Um, because if we go back to Canada basketball, you would find everybody was in charge at some point based on their skill set because, uh, our system utilized words similar to what you were describing, medical fitness, sleep, nutrition, psychology, and load management. And we had a primary individual that when the system called upon that skill set, that person came up and took the handoff. Um, you know, a lot of people think I was in charge and I wasn't. Sam Gibbs was in charge, but, you know, he was like the CEO and I was kind of like the COO. And you know, going back to how I even got there, he's like, I knew we needed you or at least somebody like you to put this all together, which was his vision. Keeping things accountable doesn't mean that you're like any more important than somebody else. It's just that your role in the machine is to be is to is to make sure everybody does what they're supposed to do. If somebody if you don't have the authority to make people do what you need them to do to keep the system accountable, but maybe maybe the organization never really gave you that authority. You just thought you had it, and that that's when that's when things really go sideways. They really suck when when that happens. No doubt, buddy. And I think that that's just a mistake that people make that leads us right into the big three, bro. So let's dive into these. Um, and the first one, running down that, you know, what is a mistake you see in the performance world that you feel we could be better at? And how do you think that we could maybe do things differently to correct it in a sense? Well, first off, <laughs> um, I'm going to take a step back from my negativity and I'm not going to tell anybody what their mistakes are. Um, because now a lot of people are going to tune out. Uh, I'm going to reframe your question as uh, to an answer of how do I think, meaning what I think is doesn't make me right. It just means what I think. How do I think we can help people be better? And um, how do we? How do you start to flip over that culture of that that I think is the real problem, uh, the real limiting factor? Um, and how do we do that without winding up? you know, like, like me, um, where you, you, you lose out on a very, very special, uh, opportunity. And I think the answer somehow lies 
in two words. Um, the first word is time. Um, how, how much time can you dedicate to a situation? Um, in business, it's called burn rate. How much money do you actually have to run the model that you want um, while you're losing? And um, you know, sometimes it takes time. Uh, to create that time is the 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 most important uh, uh, infinity stone is time. Imagine if you could just go back in time and change what you do, or you can just keep elongating time. That to me is the most important quality. Um, so if you can take a view on on what it is that you want to accomplish, and 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 I say instead of one year, it's going to take three years. You have a better chance of of succeeding. But the more um, uh, interesting piece that goes back to everything that we talked about, in my opinion, is you have to take the view that you're not the guy and you're, you're not the girl, you're not the guy, you're not the girl, whatever, <laughs> um, you're not the one. It's never about you. And that's really what, what, what drives the culture is because everybody, most people that, that are not, that most people that they are part of the problem, even though they're not being toxic or caustic, we want to do what we do. Like if you're a if you're a doctor, you want to do surgery or give medicine. <laughs> um, if you're if you're an athletic certified athletic trainer, you want to do rehab and you want to tape ankles and you want to you know give out band aids and you want to do what you do. And if you're a strength and conditioning coach, you 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 can't get recognized unless you're lifting weights or doing warm ups or doing world's greatest stretch or whatever it is that you do. Everybody kind of wants to do what they want to do, and I think if we can flip that into you know, how do we do enough of what everybody else does and watch them lead and watch them carry the football? Uh, I think if there's a way to do that, now, again, the easiest way is just pick the right people. Uh, several years ago, uh, some, you know, when we did Q&A after my talk, it was like, well, how do you pick the right people? And, um, you know, I, I actually have way better answers to that than I did back then, because I gave, I didn't, I don't think I gave a bullshit answer, but it was, it was a weaker answer than what I have today. Because what I said back then was like, well, what do you ask? What do you ask somebody else on the first date? Like you just try to get to know them and you're trying to get to know them to see if their core values fit the system that's in place so that it won't be hard to keep them accountable. And that's the signs of these great leadership programs. And part of those core values is, do you just want to win or do you want to do what you want to do? And that's really what that, that then, then you know you have the wrong people. Be, be like, like if you're if you're on the medical side and and you're like, no, 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 his knee hurts. We're controlling all the strength and conditioning, which we, everybody listening happens way, way more than it should. And if you're on the strength and conditioning side, they're like, no, just, we just need to train. We just need to train. And if you're on, and if you're a sport coach, which maybe aren't a lot listening, but we all have to work with them. I guarantee you, if you take 90 some percent of sport coaches and throw 10 vodka down their throat or put, give them truth serum. They would rather lose and coach rather than win and just sit back and, and not coach. And that sucks. Like that's like, you've got to be able to just, you know, let other people, you know, be the one that appears to show the success. Cause it, cause if you have a great system, it's the system that shows success, not the people, but you will never have a great system unless you have people that believe in what everything that the system is about. And it's never about you. It's never about one person. And something else that I'm also very comfortable saying about myself, all of this comes from my own mistakes. You know, remember, you know, competitive powerlifter, you know, I, I didn't just, uh, I'm not some country bumpkin. I know what I'm capable of doing. 
And, and I thought the opposite of what I just said a long, for, for way, way too long. It's never about me. And when, when I have, and I'm still very lucky and blessed that I still get an opportunity to at least interview for some of these you know, high level roles. And I'm like, what's my goals? My goal is to make it about other people. I just got the system. I don't even care if I even travel or show up to work every day. I just want to watch other people do what they do. And, and I don't think there's enough people that think that because you don't have to be in a leadership role to think that. You can think that as an intern. And, and if you do think that, it will filter and it will infiltrate how others think because you're going to make them feel good about what they do. And um, I, I hope that's coming across in a cogent way because it's all based on me failing, not just because I think it's cool. And um, I, think, I think that would be the, if you have time and if you can think of it's not by yourself, that's how you can make the system better from a, a, a social level. Yeah, dude. And I think that being okay with those failures and being able to trip over your own two feet and get back up and dust things off for people like us drives you to better educate yourself drives you to figure out you're not sitting here looking at it and being like oh well it's x or y that did it it's okay what can i do or what did i do to put the negative stamp on this and how can I change things to fix this, to make it better. Yeah, And yeah. I think that that's unique to a lot of people nowadays where we just look at it and it's like, Oh, well, it's someone else. Well, unless you actually know and you can show where it was someone else pointing the thumb after these situations is what is the greatest learning that you could have. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm reticent to suggest that that's always going to create the solutions in these really really pressurized environments. But you know, if if again picking part of picking the right people is at least a willingness to know a little bit about what everybody else does. Um, one thing that I would I, you know to be a sensational. You know, our, our nutrition person in Canada basketball could have competently run a very, very good warm-up, probably could have put together a fitness plan, you know, for, for players. And that's, yeah, that's, I don't know that it even has to be at that level, but um, what you're suggesting is, um, you know, if, if you're not connecting with someone that is in the system that you want it to be, even though that's not the system, well, then broaden your scope of knowledge. That doesn't mean you do it. But like, I don't do surgery, but I know if somebody needs surgery or not. There's nothing different about the physical exam that I would do versus what the surgeon would do, zero. The, the, the knees don't move differently for a physical therapist or a strength coach, and then they do for a surgeon. And if we all know enough of what each other knows, well, then the person gets to the right place in the right fashion. So I also think, I, I, I would add to what you're saying, Jay, in terms of Everybody should know what people do. I don't know that you should actually do them. And, the, and, I, and I said it before, the reason that I don't think you should do them is because I don't think there are certain, when, when you're in a certain uh, education background, you don't have the opportunities for enough repetitions to suck. Because if you have to suck before you're really, really good. And of course, you know, now like hip pause, well, Charlie, you know, you're being a hypocrite. Like how come you do everything? 
dude, first of all, I know I carry myself very juvenile with an Avengers shirt on that I'm wearing right now, but I've been around a little bit. I, I graduated college in three years. I was always a year ahead. So I already got two years on everybody. And there's been times for six months, eight months out of the year where all I'm doing is strength conditioning. And then another, the next two years, all I'm doing is, is, is rehab. And, 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 and I've always, I haven't always had this system because the system keeps getting Lego pieces put on the sides of it. But um, I, everybody should know what everybody knows. I don't know that they should do what everybody does. That, that's a big difference. 100%, man. 100%. I think that that's where people get blurred with the whole silo yeah. thing. And, that, and, that's, and then I go back to my, my voice from like 2013 when people really, you know, or, or earlier, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I took public messages like this, like professional wrestling, where I need to talk like Steve Austin. And like, no, no, but, but actually you do suck. Like, if you're not good at something, I agree, the only way you're going to get better is by practicing it. But if you're, even if you're splitting for one hour of your time and you do 50% things that would be typical of a strength conditioning uh, leadership role, and then 50% of a, of, a, of a rehab role, you can look at it like, yeah, you're getting better at two things at a 50% clip, you know, or you're not getting better at the other thing for 50%. How about we take two people of 100% that both think the same way, and next thing you know, you take eight people and you have an octopus that has one brain. That to me is, is really uh, how I think we can help people. That if you just start thinking like that, maybe you can infiltrate and create change. Um, if you don't think like that, I guarantee you won't. So that's uh, maybe a little bit of a growth mindset that I probably didn't always have when I was younger. Yeah, man. But to have a growth mindset like that, you've got to be willing to learn and stretch and push yourself, which leads us great to number two, bud. Like, where and what advice would you give to people in our vocation along the lines of continuing education? You know, like, where can they grow in a scientific and practical you know, information to, to help them be better for the people they work with and work for? Uh, I'm going to accept any uh, um, um, responses that say that's a cheap answer or a bullshit answer. Um, the, 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 the places you should go to learn is where you recognize your failures. Uh, it can be very granular where if you have a run on, if you're uh, on the medical you know, uh, uh, specialty, if, if you haven't delivered the results for someone with neck pain the last four out of five times, your next book or seminar should be on treating the neck. Um, if, if, um, if, if your basketball players are not gaining weight um, and you're, you're, you're trying your best and you do a needs analysis and it turns out that you know, um, you know, what they're eating is not consistent with your training, well, then that's the next book or seminar or learning experience. So you always, you always go by your failures. Um, um, if, you give, if you lead me a little bit, I, I'm probably going to shy away from um, promoting any commercial brands, um, you know, unless I really, really like them. <laughs> um, but uh, you, because you, like, where, is your, where is your failure? Where, is, where, are you, where do you honestly identify that you're not good at? And that's the next place that you continue your education. That's uh, make it a needs reason, not just something that's cool. That's priceless. I hope everyone really understands how important that is because like the humility required with that too, right? To be able to sit there and be like, this is what I suck at. Like, unfortunately, Charlie, I think it takes too many of us too long 
to really find that. Like, yeah, yeah. you got to be able to dust yourself off after you fall down a couple times and know like, yo, man, like I got to be better because I'm not doing my part. And I think that that's, that's what we say we do, comma, but do it. Yeah, and, and look, a lot of people are doing it right. I, I'm again, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I use the best voice I can when if I have the the opportunity for people like this to listen. But I think Jay, maybe when when you publish this, go back to the talk that we did a couple years ago. I'm guessing it was 2019 before the world shut down, and we talked about Canada basketball's social systems and processes. And you know, it was a diamond and it was kind of overlaid on the, the Canada basketball, you know, Maple Leaf logo. And the first thing that we talked about was, was the word safety. And again, safety, I told the book that it came out of and it has like this military, you know, kind of, you know, because the author of that book, Crandall, um, uh, say anything. It was a form of leadership. And what you just described is that if you feel safe, so many people don't feel safe. Like in your, in your sector of the you know, Division I sports, I mean, just, just you know, you throw, throw something to the wall. Somebody's going to complain how much they get paid. Well, I mean, forget about that as a topic. But if you don't like what you're getting paid, you're not safe. And if you're, it's not about being happy. It's about being safe because you can't be happy if you're not safe. So when, when you look for environments, the word safe, like you feel safe. Can you talk the way you want to talk? Can you do what you want to do? And then you can then start to show that humility because you know nothing bad is going to happen when you're safe. That's why we use the word safe. A lot of what we talked about is how, how, other, how people communicate to each other. So if your head coach is not safe, you can't get him to do anything. And, you know, and again, I know that from firsthand, and that's why I'm very comfortable the, the, the discussing it. Um, maybe not at a very specific level, but I've already probably said more than other people would prefer. My point is safety is a word that if you can put that in your head and really start to feel safe, you'll be able to, to show the humility that, that you just referenced. I love it, man. And I think that that's why so many different aspects, even outside of coaching, have become more, I don't know, trendy or sexy or whatever word we want to use to describe it in our education, right? Because yeah. the more safe you feel outside of work with those other issues that are part of the vocation we have selected like that's one thing people forget we chose this lifestyle <laughs> you're saying it not me i don't even get it that people get paid what you agreed to get paid you know you lost your chance to complain after you accepted the job that's why yeah i'm, I'm, I'm with you i'm with <laughs> you yeah or find ways to make more money right like there's a it, reason i've had two jobs and run the CBAP stuff like because I'm willing to do it. Like it's not, it's not always everybody else's fault. It's not always that we need to say, you need to do more for me where I understand that. And I, I feel that, and I'm with that in a sense, there's also just the matter of, okay, this is the hand I'm playing. How can I improve my ability of winning with this hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you have to feel safe enough. I'm not, I hope nobody thinks that I, if we're going to get into this topic, I'm not suggesting that you quit and, and not feed your family of five. Like, that's not what I'm suggesting. 
but what but it's a combination of that as the end game and what you're saying like what can i do and maybe sacrifice because i can't just get up and leave but i can do other things that give me safety so that i can get up and leave but this is nothing nothing different this 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 specific topic is nothing different than the clinical stuff because if you're not getting paid that means someone who else who is deciding how much that role gets paid does not value what you do the same way that you value what you do. That's that's basic business. Like if you if you think you should be getting paid ten dollars and the job that you think you really really want only pays five, that means there will pro- that 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 company that business that athletic director that GM firmly believes that if if their primary choice does not accept the role at five dollars, there'll be somebody else that will accept it. And they don't care if the other person is not as good. They don't, it doesn't matter. Like if you just have to accept that, like, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's a fact. Otherwise it, 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 where we're on like earth 993, we're not on earth anymore. Like it, it is, it defies the laws of logic that, that somehow, you know, you, you should be getting paid more when somebody else said, no, we are going to pay this much. And of course they're going to probably have some, you know, nice, nice way. Well, look, it's the budget. And, you know, it's not only me. I don't control the budget. Man, bullshit. Like, if you really, you know, that, that, that's what it is. Or then you should under hire underqualified people and not have the same demand. Like, people want their cake and eat it, too. You want a monster. You want a killer. But you're only going to pay for, for like, a, an intern loan. Um, so that's, um, you know, safety. You know, trying to find other ways so you can find a new lily pad. And um, you're not being disloyal as long as you meet the responsibilities that you agree to. And, um, and, pr- and remember, too, primary responsibility is taking care of your family, paying your bills, et cetera. So I'm not saying that you should just quit, except you should start thinking about it if you're complaining about the situation um, and then creating an unsafe environment because people act wrong, including myself, act wrong when you don't feel safe. And that, that, that extrapolates into a lot of different settings other than the primary topics that we're talking about. Yeah, man. That's gold. It's absolute gold. Charlie, it's been a killer 50 minutes, bro. I really appreciate your time, but let me get you out of here on this, buddy. All right, what's left? What's next? July 2021, Richmond, Virginia. What can people expect from Charlie at the at the seminar? I got a big uh I got a big shitty and grin again because I don't know that we're 100% uh, decided on how we're going to do this because uh Again, I, I am going to insist that we do something different. I can tell you, it's not going to be me just talking in front of a PowerPoint, uh, even though so like last, last time I said, yeah, I'll come do it, but I have to go right before lunch and I have to have no time limit. <laughs> uh, and I think we went for well over two hours. Uh, I hope people take a look at Jay's website uh, because whatever he's charging for you, I would like to think it's well, well worth it to watch that talk, which is um, a, a huge pinch grip on your cell phone of everything that we've talked about uh, on this call, but I think what we had originally discussed is uh, maybe you or other people uh, can lead me in a case study or multiple case studies where I'm going to tell you how all how I would do all of this, and that way it's, it's not canned. It's not like this only presenting positive things. You give me the variables that I ask for, and then maybe um the ipad or the remarkable can um you know be be the screen so if i'm writing things down then you can see it up on the screen and start to think see how my brain works and that'll be primarily from the physical piece um how do we how do i look how do i start the process in understanding 
you know, the, the fundamentals, the fitness, the specific piece, which will hand off to the, to a motor skill acquisition. Um, for instance, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now. Um, I don't ever tell people like how to swing the golf club, but I'm going to be at the table with their, hopefully if they have the right person involved, which again, not always the case or rarely actually in golf that, Hey, the reason that they're not doing well with this technique is because of this. So how about you do something different now? And then I'm going to work on their hip. And, and then, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll go back to the swing that you want to use. Um, we're going to look at how to build chains. Um, I, I, I care about what the person says. I care about what the person does. I care about their previous injuries and I care about the common injuries in their sport. Those are four categories. We're going to evaluate in some way or recognize all four of those and then build out. This is how you treat. This is where you exercise. This is where you train. Also, this is where you don't train dot, dot, dot yet. And, and if, if that, these are all possible um, mini definitions for train equals rehab. Um, and, and then none of that matters without nutrition. <laughs> if, if you're looking for tissue to heal and you're not eating in a, in a particular way, remember tissue doesn't come out of air. It doesn't come out of nothing. So you have to be eating certain things, uh, for the tissue to grow at a robust level. So, um, you know, we're going to, I think that's where we're going to land. I don't think either of us know exactly, how, uh, what it looks like yet but I just described what I want to do. So let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be rad. And I think that one thing that I did want to bring up is maybe what we do in the notes is we put like a link to like a, a Google sheet or like a Google form or something and be like, what do you want to see? What is the injury? Like what at, like maybe what lens the person's coming from, right? Like, are you a strength coach? Are you an athletic trainer? Are you a physical therapist? What is the, injury predicament situation you know and then any other information that they would feel pertinent and maybe we come up with a list and you know one of my favorite things in the world to do is like a top five <laughs> you know and it's just like maybe oh, you just pull a few hook, out of the hat there's your hook and so your 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 uh your lead magnet <laughs> yeah you know maybe we do something like that and and we build that out from that point We'll work on that, you and me, over the next you know month here before this goes out. But I think that that'll be dope. Yeah. So, but but again, I, I want I want you or a group of people to to not. I don't I don't want to know what the answers are. You're I, I'm going to ask you a question. You'll know the answers, and then I'm going to organize everything into at least how I would go about it. And rest assured, no one person can execute all of it in in any way. And that's how you you take that thought process. I think if uh, if, if, if we do um, a little bit of uh, like the Pixar movie inside out into how my brain works for what's important to you. You asked me the questions, I gave you the answers. Um, there might be other things. And if I think there's something that's really, really important, oh, but we can't do that. Stop. That's your problem. Don't ever say we can't do that. Oh, well, we can't, we don't, we can't control like what they eat. Like, that's the nutritionist. I'm like, there's your problem. Nothing I say matters unless you can start to infiltrate um, these things, because we all agree that nutrition is the problem and the, the nutritionist isn't the problem. The problem is that you don't have a complete system. And I'm going to try to illustrate how we can think about each other um, before we think about what we individually do best. I love it, buddy. Charlie, thank you so much, man. This is an absolutely great show. Always appreciate your time. Always appreciate your candor. 
always appreciate your willingness just to be so open and honest with your sharing, bro. Thank you. This is great. You got it, man. No other way. Thank you always. Awesome, bro. And as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.